Previously, on the Discerning Geeks Portal, special discussion topic, The Lord of the Rings Film Trilogy, Part 1. This should be far more epic on what we're going to talk about. There should be like, you know, drums like... One of our special episodes, all three of the Lord of the Rings movies. The Lord of the Rings trilogy is starring too many people to list. But this ended up being the first time that I had seen the extended edition. Altogether, the theatrical editions total up to nine hours and 18 minutes. The extended editions add up to 11 hours and 26 minutes. It's, it's an event. You plan ahead. They were pretty good. It's the greatest thing ever. The only trilogy that beats this trilogy is Star Wars. I just can't think of anything that rivals it. The Lord of the Rings trilogy are my top three favorite movies of all time. Every department was at the top of their game. Character superlatives? First is just coolest character. I said Aragorn. Yeah, I have to agree with that. It's either him or the elf. Uh, Legolas got to do a lot more of the fun cool stunts. Okay, so funniest, it's got to go to Gimli. Gimli! Gimli! (laughs) Next up is most honorable, and I said Theoden, king of Rohan. Um, Samwise Genji. I'm actually going to say Boromir. Yeah, it's probably Sam. Most important, it's undoubtedly Frodo, but an extremely close second is Sam, because Frodo could not have done it alone. I still kind of lean towards Frodo. Oh, it's Gandalf. I think Frodo's out because Frodo succumbed to the ring. The hero of Lord of the Rings is Sauron. What? Mm. Evil devours itself. Okay, most sympathetic. At first I said Faramir. I changed my answer <laughs> to Aowen. Yeah, so with that, I've got to go with Gollum. Same. Because if, <laughs> if I consider it being the character that's most sympathetic to everybody else's plight, it's Pippin. Best female character, easily my favorite female character out of just those three, is Aowen. You did miss one. Rosie. Rosie. Oh, okay. Rosie yeah, Cotton. True. Yeah, that's true. That's my answer. Rosie <laughs> Cotton. I guess the one that took one of the hobbits into battle. Next category is best performance, and I have to give that to Bernard Hill as Theoden. Go with Elijah Wood. Frodo. Best performance? It's Gollum. Last category, uh, just all-around favorites, and I've got three, and I ranked them. I've got Aragorn first, but a very close second is Theoden, and a very close third is Eowyn. Yeah, obviously Aragorn is just phenomenal. Gimli and Sam. Uh, I refuse to answer this question based on the fact that I don't think you can literally rank them. And now, the conclusion. I know we want to do some... Favorite moments. Well, actually, I, best I, I named them Moments of Awesomeness. Moments of Awesomeness. So we're going to do Moments of Awesomeness in this movie, in these movies. Andrew, so we don't let you fall asleep. You got to give me the first moment of awesomeness in any of these three movies. I could go the easy route and go, you shall not pass. That's a good one. Okay. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's um... fine. It doesn't have to, you don't have to be all deep and intellectual about it. We're going to I mean, do multiple ones. So, if you we know, look at it ethically and statistically, I don't think I can choose that. So I'm just going to have to pass. What? <laughs> so you're just not you, going to do you one. Can't, you can't pass on every moment of awesomeness. <laughs> I could uh, say this one moment of awesomeness, but instead I just won't say any. <laughs> yeah. There were so many I can't pick. Okay. Well, you did mention that one. That is, I mean, that is... awesomeness in the book and it's even done really well in the awesomeness in the movie welcome to shadow and flame a balrog dialogue starring your bards dave and dave the stopping the standoff between him and the balrog that that was awesome and then we kind of find out later that that 
And, and it, it was kind of a weird moment, even in the book. You kind of feel like, oh, they fell, they died. Okay, end of story. No, they like fell and fought the whole way down. And then somehow they ended up in a mountain and they're fighting on the mountain. And then they throw it. <laughs> it's like. No, no, they were still in the mountain. They just hit the bottom <laughs> and then fought their way up the entire length of the King's Stair, yeah. <laughs> which went to like the tallest tower that had been ever built on top of the mountain. So it's not like, you know, let's put it this way. Basically, Gandalf fell 20 stories, landed on top of the Balrog, which is what saved him, and then fought the Balrog up. I don't know, 40 to 50 flights of stairs till he finally like threw him off the mountain. Isn't that basically what happened? So, yeah. For those of you who are kind of D&D fans, uh, back in the day, I used to run a campaign that was based in the Middle Earth role playing. And I had all the, the modules. I had all the creatures. Statistically, your damage, your your monsters that you're fighting, Balrogs were worse than dragons. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if that comes across in the movie, but this was him single-handedly more than slaying an elder dragon. And, and so there's some awesomeness there that needs to be given props because when you, you have looked through the books and you're like, Oh wow, here's the stats and kind of the level of this, this dragon. Here's the, the level and stats for this Balrog. You're going, Holy crap. You know, yeah. When they when they talk about the, uh, it's the third age of what is it? Isn't it the third age of Middle Earth? Yes, they were in the third age. They the were in the third age. age, and the elves are diminishing. And it was about to become the fourth age of Middle Earth, which was the age of, which was to be the age of men. Um, the there had been other instances, of course, that you get you get hints of it. Uh, and of course, if you read outside of the novels, like the Cimmerillion, et cetera, so forth. Uh, and that talks about the first and the second age you realize that the elves were f- more powerful before and um, what it is is a Balrog was one of the first creations of who basically Sauron's master was in other words if that Bal- Balrog had showed up if Sauron had told him to do something and the Balrog didn't want to do it Sauron couldn't have done crap uh, and so it was one of those where you didn't quite understand how powerful the Balrog was but you do get enough of an idea that it's in the book. It's, it's kind of done better because it, the Balrog is described as nothing but flame and shadow. Yeah. And, and it's kind of like, it's because he's, that's all he really is. It's, it's, he may take the shape of this kind of demon looking thing, but really and truly he was just elemental darkness and fire. And that was it. This has been shadow and flame, a Balrog dialogue. For more discussion of Maiar who were corrupted by Melkor into his service, tune in next time to Shadow and Flame with Dave and Dave. So, good job in your choice that wasn't your choice, Andrew. That's a really good scene. Yeah, that's Uh, a good choice. (laughs) Who wants to go next? Dave, you got one for us? Probably when the Ents get off their ass and decide to whoop Saruman. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just so lopsided, it's not even funny. It's like, boy, did you piss off the wrong people. And I did love, and this is one of those scenes that in, was in the extended edition, and I lamented the fact that it wasn't in the regular movie when I first watched it. In the book, when you after the at the towards the end of the Battle of Helm's Deep, yeah, um, there's a comment made, and it's literally just like a sentence or two, 
Where did that forest come from? It was like, there's a forest at the back of the elves' lines that wasn't there before. <laughs> and it was like, huh, interesting. Um, and you get the picture that the ants in the forest, you know, helped whip the the, the orcs' butt at the end well, of the Well, the trees, the trees did, because yeah. I think in the extended version, oh, what was the ants' name? Oakbeard. No, uh, Greenbeard. No. Tree, oh. Treebeard. Treebeard. Thank you. Also, also voiced by John Rice Davies. Right. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, in the extended version, uh, Mary, who's with him and Pippin, uh, make the comment of where are the trees going, because the ants are all going to take care of Saruman, and they go, where are the trees going? And and Treebeard makes the offhand comment of they have business with the orcs. Yeah. And that's where the, that's where the trees go. So it's not necessarily the ants because the ants talk about how they talk to the trees and not all the trees are ants. Right. And that's how they've lost their wives. Some of the trees are still sitting enough that they can move. And so the trees have beef with the orcs because the orcs have been cutting them down and the ants are going to go deal with, with Saruman. And then that's, of course, where you come in, where you talk about how the... Yeah, the, the forest came where, to the edge. Where did that forest come from? And and I love, I just love that the fact that they did add that into the extended edition. I, and, and it's it's very subtle, and it's about as subtle as it was in the book, because you kind of see the orcs retreating into the trees, and then all of a sudden you kind of hear the... Ah! And the trees are kind of rustling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's like the trees just the trees just kind of waver, and you just hear. And I think somebody makes a comment screams. about like, "Don't go into the forest." <laughs> yeah, don't go into the forest. I, I, I do love that, and then the the tearing down of of Isengard, which now that is another part of the movie that you get a hint at, but you really don't understand until you get until you read the books because Isengard is described as it was created as a fortress that basically nothing could hurt. It was basically kind of like a magical, magically created fortress in which nothing could, like you could throw catapult shots at it at the tower all the time and nothing would ever knock it down. And these ants had the power to actually tear it apart. And so it kind of gives you an idea of just how powerful the ants actually were. I love the part after they break the dam and flood Isengard where one of the ants was on fire, and he just dunks his head in the water to put himself out. Other, uh, Todd, give us one. What you got? Okay, I guess I better go first with the the moment. The moment that I feel like justifies not just the last movie, not just the whole trilogy, but basically cinema in general. <laughs> and that is the moment near the end of the third one where, and I, we've already been talking spoilers, but just make sure this is like a huge spoiler. The, the 20 end different the, endings? Sorry. For for into the third movie, when Aragorn is crowned king of Gondor, and everybody is there, whole whole bunch of humans, even some elves. I can't remember if they showed dwarves or not, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were somewhere around. And well, Gimli uh, was there; he was the representative of the orc of the yeah. dwarves. And and they're making a big deal over him being crowned, um, and it's this this big powerful moment. And he's walking through the crowd and, and seeing uh, Arwen is there, and, and she's loved his life, and 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 so it, it's it's this big deal. But then he goes over to where the four hobbits are, and they start to bow down to him, and he has to stop them, and he says, "My friends, you bow to no one." And then he bows down to them, and so does everybody else. 
it, and you might be able to tell my voice that it, it cracks me oh, up because gosh, yeah. It, it, oh yeah, every, I, don't worry. I, I get all I get all weepy when when I think about it too. Yeah, I, I think I have every single time. I think when, when this was in movie theaters, I think I saw it with one or both of you guys first, and then I saw it with somebody from work second, and I think I kind of held it back when I was with, with that person. But almost every other time, I've I've gotten at least a little bit weepy when it comes to that scene because these four hobbits should not have left home. But one of them took up the mantle and the burden of carrying this stupid ring, and the other one took up the mantle of carrying him, both literally and figuratively. And then the other two, maybe they weren't quite as important, but they contributed. They did some stuff. These four hobbits should not have left home, and these were four innocent guys who were just trying to mind their own business, and they got involved in this turmoil, and they basically saved the world and even the king of gondor recognize it and he and everybody else bows down in deference to them and we've talked before about how much we love underdog stories that moment justifies the entire trilogy as being the ultimate underdog story and we've already talked a little bit about some things that were cut out of the books again i'm not an expert on the books but i did skim through the scouring of the shire and that's one of those things that was taken out in the books uh, the 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 hobbits go home and they have to uh help liberate the shire to a certain extent from evil forces that have kind of taken refuge there i'm so glad that that the writers decided to take that out because after that moment, we see the hobbits go home, and that is what I need to see. I needed to see what they were fighting for, which was to keep their home the way it was. And so the fact that we see everybody bow down in deference to them because they saved the world, and then the very next scene, we see what they were fighting for, it, it's just amazing. And like I said, it... it, it when the asteroids come to destroy the earth and people are trying to figure out who is going to go into the caves to survive when, when, when the, the sky is clear again and they're saying, okay, we've got to put in uh, world leaders and scientists and doctors and stuff. Okay. What about entertainment people? Okay. Entertainment people aren't as important. Well, surely we've got to fit at least a few directors in there. Maybe Spielberg, maybe Christopher Nolan. Okay. Maybe them, maybe we can flip a coin on them or something. What about Peter Jackson? No, not Peter Jackson. I mean, you know, the Lord of the Rings was big in the two thousands, but it's been a while since then. Oh, but what about the, my friends, you bow to no one moment. Okay. You're right. Peter Jackson gets in. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and, and again, this that scene is one of the those that is the culmination of all the things we started talking about, right? The whole cinematography of that scene. It's cinematography, not cinematography. There's no N in the middle. And how it's shot. And you're pulling back and you see not just like these few people, you see everybody there and then this city that they're in is multi-tiered and the tiers are all bowing down and like you said and then going to the next scene it was shot in such a way that all the power is just wrapped in that moment and the acting is superb he's the only one that gives a line but you just see it in everyone there how important this moment is. And, and I'm definitely, I, I, like I said, I, I think everybody out there is with you. Um, I, I would almost say if you don't tear up a little bit that, that you need to There's something wrong with you. check yourself a little bit. Cause uh, there is absolutely nothing wrong with crying. You know, one of my heroes, 
was Jim Valvano. And he said, to have a fulfilled life, you should try to do three things every day. You should try to laugh, you should try to cry, and you should try to learn something new. Um, and if you do those thing, three things every single day, you'll have a fulfilled life. And so it's okay to cry. And, and, and this one definitely helps me do it occasionally or every time I've seen it. Well, it, it definitely shows you the trauma yeah. that, you know, and, and it goes into what both of you are saying about how when that moment happens and you realize it's over. And I'm not talking about like the the the, the different little cutscenes where they weren't quite sure exactly how to end it, you know. And so they just kind of showed these snippets, which you know, here's what happened, here's what happened, here's what happened, here's what happened. We're kind of speeding up now, and then you get to that last scene. The film is has was done with such dedication and in such a way that when that moment happens, you yourself, without even realizing it, are now finally able to release all the tension that you've watched your characters and these heroes and everything that's happened to them go through. And then you get, to me, you get another double whammy because in that scene where they go home, there's also the scene where they're, they're splitting apart. These four hobbits that have been through hell, one of them is leaving and is leaving for a good reason because you realize that you, you get the idea in the coming home that they're that they're different, that they're all changed, that they're they're like Bilbo now, where the other hobbits they 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 can't relate to them anymore. I mean, they it's not like they're not being polite. It's not like they can't live together. That's not the, that's not the issue. They can, but you realize that their experiences have changed them to the point to where they're not the carefree hobbits that they used to be. They they have this this weight on them of what they went through. And then to realize that one of them has gone through so much that he really needs to leave because he can't live there anymore. And it's, it's that it's in that, it's in that moment that he gets Frodo is given his release that you realize, because I, I, not only do I cry at the scene that you guys are talking about, I freaking ball like a baby when Frodo gets on that boat with Bilbo yeah. And 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 Sam and him say goodbye. And and you know the scene that I cry the most and maybe this connects with Todd a lot. The scene I cry the most is when Sam comes home. And he walks in the door and those two little kids run into his arms and he kisses Rosie and it's like the very last moment. And that really gets me. And it's in association with what Todd was saying. Uh, it's just a different slight part of it in which this really was ultimately what all of that was about. Yeah. I mean, that's the best. I almost feel like we should just end the episode there and be like, but I'd be like, gosh, are we cutting too much out? I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to kill the podcast because I went with the whole, this is what it's really all about. But yet I think in a way that's all we've talked about Yeah, because for all the epic moments, for all the great scenes, for all the great acting, for all the battles and fights and and the the losses that happen, when it comes down to the very basic that these guys, every one of them, Gimli, uh, uh, Legolas, Aragorn, uh, all of them, did what they did to return to that piece of home and hearth. Yeah. 
Aragorn becoming king was a byproduct. Legolas and Gimli reestablishing the friendship between the doors was a byproduct. Uh, Gandalf becoming Gandalf the White was a byproduct. Um, the the line of Nuranor kings being restored was a byproduct. Uh, Sauron being destroyed was a byproduct. Everything that happened in the film really and truly was a byproduct of, of, like Todd said, four ordinary guys who got sucked into this epic travel and story in which they each had all these different experiences just to get home. In the story, we even have the hobbits sometimes talking about it that way. You know, Sam's kind of, it's like, it's like we're in the stories where the heroes don't even know that they're the heroes. You get these moments where they're talking about, it's like we're in the songs and we're those playing this part in this epic tale. And, you know, when it gets to the end, that's the, the release. But when you're in it, there's all this darkness and all this heaviness and they have to get through it. I could throw out a dozen other like memorable moments. Um, I think the, the charge out of Helm's deep is pretty cool. The battle is phenomenal. They didn't catch as well as I would have liked kind of the tide turning in the battle so many times, but you get a little bit of that sense. You kind of know that, the Battle of Minas Tirith, that they're getting their butt kicked to begin with. And then the Rohirrim, you know, Riders of Rohan show up and that turns the tide of the battle and the, the, the men start winning again, but then the bad sides start winning again. You know, the elephants show up and some other people show up and they start winning again. And then the tide turns again and then the black ships show up. And the black ships are supposed to have the bad guys on it. And you're like, oh, the tide is turning against them again. And the ships pull up, but it's not the bad guys that get off. It's Aragorn with this army of the dead that completely turns the battle and, and they win. And all of that is, is just so epic in scope. Um, these battles that they did and, and how they fought them have to love the fact that as we're going through these battles, they throw in a little bit of comic relief, usually through Legolas and Gimli, you know, just counting their. Oh yeah. yeah. As soon as you started talking about the black ships, I started giggling because I remember where it's Legolas, Gimli and Aragorn, and they're standing on the bank of the river and they're like, surrender. And all the pirates are all like, ah! <laughs> and Aragorn's like, fire a warning shot across the Bozeman's bow. <laughs> and Legolas is like, she, you know, Legolas hasn't missed a shot yet. And Gimli like taps his bow with like his action. And Legolas ends up killing the Bozeman. And Gimli's like, Ooh, all right, that's it. We warned you. And, and it's like, I, I started, I, I immediately started giggling. Cause as soon as you said that, that's the first image that popped in my head was Gimli messing with Legolas's bow and killing the guy. Which again was all extended footage. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. We, but it, we it, didn't it, get to see still great. any of that in the in the regular cut, but it was yeah. it was phenomenal, and it was great that they added that in there. Oh yeah, the whole the whole. Um, if I'm not mistaken, and Todd, you can probably correct me. If I'm not mistaken, 
in the theatrical version, you see Aragorn enter the mountain, but you don't see anything that happens inside of it. Yeah, I can't remember what's cut, but there's quite a bit that is cut out of that, which makes the... the I mean, I think you see enough that you kind of know who the ghost guys are, but it's still a little bit convoluted. And I even remember feeling that way when watching the movie. I was like, because by then we had had the... the first two movies come out on on dvd and blu-ray and so we knew that they were extended cuts and so the whole time i was watching that third meal i was like there's something cut right here yeah. there's something yeah. cut right here and you could you could feel the missing pieces yeah you could you could feel there was like a big hunk of something missing and then he shows up with the army of the dead you're like where did they come from Oh, and another thing about the uh, the scene that you were mentioning with the arrow and shooting the guy on the ship. Uh, a yeah, it's lot Peter of, Jackson that gets killed in it. Okay, yeah, that's what I was getting ready to say. Yeah, he, he tried to put himself into, into at least one place per movie. Also his kids and other people like uh, two, two of the guys that are at one of the beacons are actually special effects guys. So they tried to fit crew members and even Peter Jackson himself into the movies. And yeah, he's the one that gets shot on the ship. It's the great, greatest death scene ever. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to the, the first movie, the the race for the Ford, a great scene. And then they get there and, and the, they call up the river to wash away the ring race on the horses. I think that was one of my favorite uh, moments of awesomeness. What else do we, let's kind of lightning or not like lightning, but just kind of throw out there pretty fast. Any other moments of awesomeness that we that we had in these movies? Well, I've got my other big one, if you want me to do that. Yeah, go for it. Okay. As I said, Rohan really affected me this time. And, and this one exchange of dialogue, I don't know why it made me tear up twice. It did. And, and I I still can't explain why. So I don't know if somebody can psychoanalyze me or something. But it's when they are gathering the troops to, uh, to try to help out Gondor. And uh, Theoden is kind of taking care of stuff and he comes out, it's nighttime and he talks to uh, Eowyn and he says, I've left instructions. The people are to follow your rule in my stead. Take up my seat in the golden hall. Uh, long may you defend Edoras if the battle goes ill. Now we'll stop for a second because I think that's one cool thing about that is that I'm not sure that she was next in line to be king, uh, to to be uh, king or queen. She and her brother Aomer are uh, niece and nephew to Theoden, uh, but he his he doesn't have any heirs uh, of his own. Uh, I, I think all of his sons or daughters have been killed. So uh, so it's got to go to them. But I would think it would go to Aomer first. And I think technically, if I remember correctly, from what the the book does it does go to him but the movie makes it seem like he's passing on to her which i think is good because like i said women don't get that much fairness in these movies or or the books so i think it's good that that he was going to entrust things to her but anyway the the lines continue awen says what other duty would you have me do my lord and theoden says duty no i would have you smile again not grieve for those whose time have come you shall live to see these days renewed and no more despair. And see, it gets to me again, just reading it. And I, I don't even know why. I don't get it. What no, is wrong with it, me? It's, it's powerful. I, I, th- I think it has is something Is that when to they do- were going to Gondor or was that when they were going to Helm's Deep? That's when they were going. They had already won Helm's Deep and they were going to Gondor. Yeah, it's, it's when they were on the, the mountaintop. Oh, and I know. Were- oh, uh, it's, it's, oh, that's why. Because he wasn't expecting her to go. He knew he was taking, he knew he was taking her brother. Yeah, and so her, her brother was going to be in as much danger as the king, yeah, as yeah. as being I forgot what it is the warden of the something or other, 
And uh, and so if the battle went ill, I think he kind of figured that if it went bad, he wasn't coming back either. And so that's the reason he was he put he said that they she was to be she was the rule, and because she was a shield maiden, and and that's what it was. And so that's 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 how it's that's how it's explained. Yeah, but I, I think the power of the moment is when he said, "No, I would have you smile again," because despite all this other crap that's going on, all this battle and political stuff and all that. He just cares about her being happy. And I think that's why I love that moment and why he has risen up the ranks in terms of, of favorite characters for me is is for other reasons too, but that moment is one of those key moments for me. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it, it focuses on kind of this epicness we know is going on, this battle, this this fight between good and evil and all of this. And he takes the time out to say just want what's good for you i just want you to be happy regardless of the outcome of who wins who loses how dark the world is how whatever good comes um there's that life lesson of just live your life and be happy live out the rest of your days and i think that it is it's a great it's a great scene you know, and you kind of mentioned another scene with them earlier, kind of talking about his character that is a pretty awesome scene, just in the kind of the, the couple of lines that's there. You know, Aragorn comes in and the beacons have been lit and Rohan will answer the call. And yep. it gives me chills. You know, it's just like, wow, there, there, there's that power in kind of what they're doing and that they're doing the right thing. Um, and, and that he's made that decision, even though, like you said, just moments before he's pretty much given all the reasons why they shouldn't go when it's the time comes, he does the right thing and, and sends mm-hmm. them. So, um, yeah, they're fantastic scenes. Uh, anybody else, Andrew, do you have any other scenes or, or Dave, do you have any other scenes that, uh, kind of just were, Moments of awesomeness. Battle for Helm is deep. Yeah. The whole Mines of Moria. Uh, the two towers. You know, the ends breaking the dam. Shelob's cave. Mordor itself. The whole mountain thing. The battle at Gondor. The battle in front of the Black Gate. Uh, probably and truly, if I had to say, if there was one other epic moment that I really enjoy because it just makes me laugh because I think it's just so funny, is Aragorn. We we know is is you know he's he's the king with brass balls. You know, it's like I'm going to do this because I know I got to do it, but because I also loved my friends so much, I'm going to do it anyway. And so he gives that epic line in front of the Black Gates where he's like, "For Frodo, not for the king or for Gondor or anything like that." He says, "For Frodo," and takes off because he you know he's basically planned this whole battle to distract the armies of mordor to give for frodo the chance to get to the mountain mount doom who takes off first mary and pippin yeah not not yeah. Any, yeah. not gimli not legolas not any of the human guys not any of the knights none of these like you know other badass warriors that are with him no no it's the two little guys that are all like Shh, Heck yeah! ah! And so you have to imagine that for a moment there's an orc 
in the lines of Mordor, all these evil guys, all these big dudes got trolls with freaking plate armor on, and no, there's ring race flying around, and they just see this one guy. Okay, that's a badass. He's dressed like a king. He's got a sword that's probably glowing, and he's coming right at me. I need to watch him. And then right behind him are these two short little dudes. <laughs> you know, that are just like... You know, you, but you could tell that if the orc had any kind of instinct, he's like, they're wildcats. Stay away from the little guys. Fight the big guy, but stay away from the little guys. You know, I, 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 that to me is an epic moment. Just yeah, guess. that was on my list, too. Well, and I will throw in there the um, the battle with the Witch King. He comes down, swoops down um, on his flying steed which i've for some reason the the name has escaped me at the moment my brain freeze i think phil beast phil beast yes um you know and he's attacked the king and, and thrown him down eowyn steps in between and and he kind of makes the 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 comment you know don't come between me comment. you know my prey and nobody gets between me and my prey and, and then we have this fight and kind of the the coolest part of that fight though is the moment where mary stabs him in the net in the back of the leg and, and distracts him enough to uh allow for uh him to be kind of killed uh, or hurt enough to be kind of dispatched right uh, because he's not a man either well i mean he doesn't actually do the killing but and that's Hey, it, how many times has that been a trope and, and it's kind of played up, but you know, it's like, oh, no man can kill me. And of course she takes off her helmet. I'm no man. And, uh, and then, but, but it, it makes sense because if you pay attention to the magic of, of Lord of the Rings, uh, he's literal. he's literally being literal. Yeah. Like he, he literally could not be killed by men that was the reason why gandalf actually feared him because gandalf knew that he couldn't fight he couldn't actually defeat him because he was a man and and so that's the reason why mary when he stabs him was able to stab him because mary's not a man he's a halfling and of course she was able to kill him because she was a woman but you also notice that the magic is so powerful that they both end up in the houses of healing uh because it does I don't know if it necessarily poisons them, but it does sicken them. Of course, they don't really do it to Mary, but they do it to her. Yeah, it freezes so. like when they stab them. It like freezes their yeah, hand because um, it's death. So and uh, yeah, so I, I thought that was a pretty epic moment and pretty cool. Oh yeah, it's awesome. What else? What else? Any other ones before we? I've got sixteen more moments. <gasps> what? Oh my! Do you want me to rattle them off real quick? Yeah, actually, Dave took one of them, so technically. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Let's let's hear what you got. Okay, so I'm just going to rattle them off. Okay, Gandalf's ride into the Shire. Sam saying he's now been further from home than he's ever been before. Old man wizard fight. The ring race sniffing out the hobbits. Aragorn holding off uh, ring race at Weathertop. The Council of Elrond. The Bridge of Casa Doom. Aragorn letting Frodo go. Legolas shooting six orcs in quick succession. Boromir's last stand. Let's hunt some, hunt some orc. Uh, the opening of the two towers, Gandalf versus Balrog. Uh, anything involving Rohan. The lighting of the beacons. I can't carry you, or no, excuse me, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you and for Frodo in the Marion Pippin charge. Probably the one that you mentioned there that was on mine that I was probably going to do next was the, uh, was Sam and Frodo. Yeah, I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. Um, yeah. I think was, is a is just an epic moment in, in the scope of everything. It's not super battle. It's not this, that, and the other. It's two characters 
struggling up the side of this crappy volcano mountain that they've got to get up and just to, to get where they're going. And, and I thought that was, that was just wonderful. And in the opening of the two towers with Gandalf versus the Balrog, sometimes I forget that that's how that movie opens. And that is stellar. It is amazing. It was such a great, like I'm always big on decision-making. That was a great decision to open that movie that way because it starts recapping some of the stuff from the previous movie. And you think, why are, why are we seeing a clip show? And then they gradually show you what happens next from a different point of view. And that was awesome. You guys missed the most epic moment of the whole thing. Uh Oh, I mean, I can't believe you guys didn't remember what you got. It's it's the whole like, shall I describe it to you or shall I get you a box? Oh, <laughs> Dave right now is trying to run through the movie. <laughs> Where is that? No, no, no. When, when he gets the, yeah, the, the, they're fighting and he can't see over the wall, the, the wall, the wall at Helm's the, Deep. Yeah. It's before the battle of Helm's Deep and Gimli's like standing there next to Legolas at the, at the, at the battlements. And he's trying to jump up to see over the I ledge. I can't see what's going on. I, I can't see what's going on. It's like, shall I describe it to you or shall I get you a box? And Gimli's like, ah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had, I know that's not really the perfect moment, but if you don't enjoy the movie just for the simple fact of Legolas and Gimli there's definitely something wrong with you um, and I would highly suggest that there is a lot of stuff out there that does tell you what happened to these characters after this whole big epic event and uh, reading about what does happen between Legolas and Gimli is is a fun read because it, it, it talks about what such good friends they become and how uh, Legolas is like one of the first elves that's like goes cave diving <laughs> with Gimli. And one of the places they go is the caverns behind Helm's Deep, which was something they didn't do well in in the movie because Helm's Deep, there's caverns where they, they hid all the women and children that was beyond the fortifications. And that place was beautiful. It was like filled with all kinds of strange crystals and and uh, gems and what have you, and Gimli remembered it. And it was one of those where they made this they made this pact that if they made it through, um, Legolas would join Gimli in exploring those caverns, and Gimli would join Legolas in exploring Fangor Forest. Uh, because when when Legolas goes to Fangor Forest, he's never been in a forest that was that old. And it's it's one of those where their 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 story afterwards, even though it's you have to kind of pick up bits and pieces, is is really fun. All right, gentlemen, we're about kind of coming on to what we need to call this an episode. We're, we're about to be a we're about to be a movie. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that we've been able to kind of cover most these like eleven hours of movies and just two, I think we're doing pretty good. Um, <laughs> this this may be a part one of the part two. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, but uh, I do want to give everybody an opportunity to kind of state any last minute things that they want. Um, do you guys think we could do that in a in a lightning round, or do we just kind of want to give everybody a, a, enough time to just kind of give a summation? Maybe not have to put a timer on it. Whatever you want to do. I could go either way. I don't have much left because when I just rattled off uh, my moments, most of what I have left are, are actually the nitpicks. And I might do that in 30 seconds, but I can't guarantee. Okay. I could I could almost certainly do it in 60 seconds. Um, yeah, let's maybe not do a timer, but we're still going to call this our lightning round. 
cool sound effects here (laughs) i guess we need to roll for initiative see who's gonna go first oh two i am evidently supposed to roll six 20 great i guess i'm going first i got a two two you and todd need to re-roll 15 one Okay, so I'm, I'm next to last and we're not timing it we're just trying to be as quick as possible yeah just kind of rattle them off try to sum it all up in 30 seconds but ready i'm gonna go epic movie epic book anybody out there who's not seen this please 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 go out there and watch it if you haven't read the book read the book be able to compare the two um enjoy the story enjoy the magic that is this world that's being told but also look for that meaning for your life. Um, there is some deep meaning here. We're all tempted. We all kind of, kind of fall short. And it's okay to, to lean on something bigger than you to get through things and to have that protection um, in your life. So, yeah, enjoy the Lord of the Rings. It's epic and it can change your life. Lean on me <laughs> when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on for <laughs> we won't be long. Oh, I'm sorry. I got caught up in a moment. <laughs> All right, Dave, you're up. <laughs> Welcome to Fantasy Geography Talk with Dave. Now here's your host, Dave. I'm actually going to talk about something that's actually not in the movie, but I totally agree with what Dave was saying about, you know, definitely look into this and have fun diving a little deep into it. But I, I also want you to know that that one of the great things to also bear in mind is that this is a this is a world encompassing event. So when you read the books or look at the books, there's a map in the front of it, uh, whether you've read The Hobbit, whether you whether you read The Lord of the Rings, look at these maps. I want uh, definitely take a moment to study it because in order to kind of get an idea of the epic journey and just how far they went and everything that they went through, you kind of need to know in the like, in the back of your head where Hobbiton is, where this is, how what mountains they had to cross, et cetera, so forth. Someone online superimposed the map of Middle Earth over Europe and the United States. If it's accurate... And if the Shire were somewhere near the western side of the England-Scotland border, Rohan would be in southern Germany and Austria, Gondor would be in Italy, Croatia, and Albania, and Mordor would be most of the rest of southeastern Europe with Mount Doom probably being in Romania. If the Shire were in Kansas, Rohan would be Mississippi and Alabama, Gondor would be in the Gulf of Mexico, and Mordor would be Florida. Either way, that's a lot of walking. Some days I feel I need a nap after walking out to my mailbox. And the reason I say that is because now that The Hobbit has come out and you've watched this other epic uh, movie group of uh, – because it is. It's just – it's I don't know if it's just as epic as Lord of the Rings, but it's definitely very, very close, and it's done very, very well. Um, a lot of people would probably have the question of, well, where are these guys? You know, when Lord of the Rings is going on, where, where are these guys? They were not uh, – and I'm, I'm giving you a big spoiler here that's totally outside the book – um, they were involved as well, but uh, Sauron didn't have a chance in the north because of the events of The Hobbit, because of what Bilbo had done. So that when the evil forces rose in the north, um, the reason Gondor, who still had a hard time of it, 
didn't have a worse time of it was because the elves and the dwarves and the humans in the north around the Lonely Mountain and all that blocked all the evil forces that were that were trying to come south to join this fight against Gondor. And so if you've ever wondered why why aren't they why aren't they mentioned and where are they? And it also explains one of the reasons why where when Todd talks about his favorite scene, the only dwarf you see is Gimli. It's because Gimli is the representative of the Dwarven Kingdoms because the Dwarven Kingdoms were pretty much all in the north. And their forces and, and armies were allied with the elves and the humans and they were still cleaning up the evil forces up there. And that was the reason why no other dwarf had, was able to get down to the coronation. And I just thought that that would just be a fun little sidebar if anybody kind of wonders after you watch this film and seeing The Hobbit of well, where are all these guys? That's basically what happened. This has been Fantasy Geography Talk with Dave and featuring a contribution by me, Joanna, your favorite smart and sexy robo voice. And that's just all I wanted to say. I like it. Awesome. Todd, you're up next. Okay, I'm going to be as fast as possible. I'm going to take advantage of the fact that you said no timer. Okay, talking about decision-making, the prologue was an excellent way of opening the first movie. It's informative, it's helpful, it's narrated by a female voice, which is important because there aren't a lot of females in the trilogy, as stated earlier. Uh, it's easy to forget, but when Gandalf goes to research the ring, we see a glimpse of Minas Tirith, which is kind of interesting because we, we feel like we see it for the first time in the third movie. We just see a whole lot more of it. We've actually seen it one time in the first movie. Okay, about the only thing I have left are nitpicks. I'll try to rattle them off. Uh, the dwarven city of Casa Doom is basically just a bunch of columns. What did this city actually look like when it's populated? Were there tables around from marketplaces or something? I don't know. It's just a bunch of columns. Uh, Gollum is annoying. I know he's supposed to be, but mission accomplished. He's annoying. Uh, the return of Gandalf as Gandalf the White is a bit muddled. If you take into consideration the the dialogue of him saying that he met Marion Pippin and Treebeard one day, and but then he's still figuring out uh, what his own name is when he meets the other three and stuff like that, it, it's something in the writing that I don't think they got the timing of things quite right there. Uh, Grima Wormtongue is obviously so evil. Why did they ever trust him? I mean, Grima Wormtongue, the evilness is in his name. I don't get it. Uh, when they released the horse Brago, uh, why did they leave his saddle and harnessing on? If they were freeing the horse, why shouldn't they actually free him? Take the stuff off. But it seemed like it was uh, like a little bit of a convenience later because he finds Aragorn and Aragorn actually has a saddle to sit on. Arwen dying. Why? Elrond says that Arwen is dying because she cannot survive the evil of Mordor and her life is somehow tied to the fate of the ring. But it's never exactly explained how or why. It's one of those things where it's almost like they did it just to make sure that she was in the movie still and that it was a really nice surprise at the end when she shows up. Talking about the production quality being so high, one little tiny complaint. Midas Morgul feels a little sound stagey. It was the it was the one exterior that felt like an interior. And what is the point of the green sky beam? Uh, and then lastly, it's actually something I brought up earlier. How did Faramor let all those orcs sneak up to Osgiliath? Did you say Faramor? You mean Faramir. Shouldn't he have had lookouts, scouts, uh, snipers in towers? I know he was he didn't have many people, but throw one person up in a tower somewhere, one archer up in another tower. Do do something. Those orcs weren't even putting out their torches, and it wasn't that foggy, and they just sneak up on them, and that's it. Uh, but uh, now that was as far as lightning round. I, I think we still ought to do a summation to actually put a grade to everything. Okay. Right? Yeah, I agree. Okay. Uh, all right, Andrew, your last one. You get to finish this out. No timer. No timer. And go. Actually, I'm going to give myself a timer of 11 hours. 
Because that's how many movies there were. <laughs> uh, it was good. It was good. The first one's probably my favorite. But they were all just cinematic masterpieces. And they were really enjoyable to watch. And I can't wait to watch the extended versions. That's it. Awesome. I like it. Short and sweet. How do you guys want to do this? Do we want to rate each movie? Or do we want to just give one overall rating for the whole trilogy? If they do have separate grades, then sure. But all three of mine have the same grade. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think just an overall because that's basically what we're talking about. Okay. We're, talk- we've, we're talking about all, and we're t- we're talking about all three of the movies as one as one movie, story. Which yeah. Is basically, what it was. Yeah. But but I am kind of curious if you guys rank them or not. So maybe we could do that. No, oh, I rank them in a complete order: one, two, and three. Oh, you mean like rank them as you know if, if some if you have like a favorite because I think Andrew said his was the the first one, the Fellowship of the Ring. Okay, we could do that. Um, do you want to go first, Todd? Because I think you've got yours all in front of you. Give us your overall rating for the trilogy and and your favorite to least favorite of the three. Okay, despite those few little nitpicks I just listed, because you know me, I've always got nitpicks. These movies are awesome for reasons we've already discussed. So just short answer, all three are A+. They're, they're my three favorite movies of all time. As far as ranking, I think no matter what, the, uh, the Return of the King is at the top, and then Fellowship is next, and Two Towers is at the bottom. But the weird thing is this time I realized that even though The Return of the King is at the top, it's mostly because of certain scenes being so great, like the peaks are so high. But it, that movie also has some valleys. Like, Dave, you mentioned Shelob. Shelob, to me, was kind of like a stall tactic. I could have done without the Shelob thing. I know it's necessary. I know it's part of the story. But I felt like a lot of the things in the third movie are kind of stall tactics and complications and, and, and stuff like that. I feel like the first movie is more consistent. Its peaks may not be as high, but it has fewer valleys. And so in a way, the the first and third movie are almost tied, but ultimately uh, Return of the King is still at the top almost entirely because of certain key moments that elevate it. And your overall rating was a? A plus for all three. A plus, okay. I'm, I'm very similar, right? Um, now my, my rating system's a little different. I go on a 10 point scale, but all three of these get a 10. I mean, there's just no way around it. They all three get a 10. So the whole series gets a 10 out of 10. Rating them from favorite to least favorite, the moments in Return of the King are just so epic. I have to put it first. For me, a very, very, very close second. I actually like the Two Towers second. The moments of Helm's Deep and the moments of Isengard, all of that just bumps it up you know starting with that epic scene of of gandalf and the balrog i would almost rate it higher than the return of the king except for like i said just the the total epicness of of those moments and we've talked about you know all those scenes that they kind of bump up the the return of the king just a little bit higher what about you andrew which one or what's your rating on this trilogy story they're all really mediocre movies overall, so probably C+. Plus. <laughs> C+. Plus. You're, you're not funny. <laughs> if I absolutely had to choose one, it would be uh, Princess Bride. <laughs> that's about it. So. How do I put this diplomatically? I don't know. What are you trying to say? If you were colorblind, but you knew your favorite color was red, 
If Lord of the Rings was like toast. <laughs> this is definitely the best shade of red. Or if you ate a Chipotle. For your colorblind. <laughs> so it would be an A+. Plus. A+. Plus. You have a favorite, which is the your favorite of the three. You said the fellowship? The first one. Okay. The first one. Least favorite? Um probably the second. Okay. And then but the first and the third are all are both like right there with each other. And then the second one's just again, it's right there, but it's still last. Okay. All right, Dave, finish this out with your oh this is absolutely 100 full pra- pay full price rob steal cheat i don't care how you find these films <laughs> or get these films or get your hands on these films you need to own these films you need to have these films you need to go to your bookstore and steal the trilogy i don't care what you got to do i don't care how many nights in jail you spend or you know <laughs> stealing you know books from barnes and noble or or from their dvd collection the discerning geeks portal does not encourage nor condone criminal behavior Get your hands on these films. Watch them. Pay full price. If any place anywhere is like, hey, we're doing a Lord of the Rings marathon. Go, 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 go. Take a snack. Go and 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 watch them. As far as ranking them, I refuse to dignify such lowly and dishonorable <laughs> reputational <laughs> behavior of talking about any of these films being of any kind of rank besides just, you know, good okay. and so there that's all i'm gonna say so i would throw out there a request to anybody who manages a movie theater or, or is in kind of any position of power in any movie theater chain at least once a year i feel like you should set aside a day to put on the screen the big screen the extended editions one right after the other and just make it almost like a holiday where people could come and just spend all day watching one right after the other. Now do it with courtesy to your like Patriot, you know, people watching and maybe go old school and give us a, a little pee break um, intermission in between the movies or in the middle of the movies, because otherwise people you know wouldn't be able to handle it. But yeah, I think that would be epic. Why, why don't we have, the opportunity to watch these extended editions on the big screen in a theater, even spread them out over a few days. I don't know. But anyways, that would be my request. And this year is the 20th anniversary of fellowship. See, there you go. It's perfect opportunity. Go ahead and and let's. Well, except for that whole coronavirus. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's going away eventually. I know it is eventually. Um, we'll get rid of it. But hey, there are three separate anniversaries. So, and hopefully this thing won't be around for Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's my request. Uh, I want to start one of those. Um, it's not the virus that's the problem. It's the pandemic. See, there's a difference. Uh, what's those change.org petitions? Can I do a change.org petition where we make sure that somebody shows Lord of the Rings in the theater. Well, all I know is, is you know, we we used to talk, we used to talk about what was going to happen. It's already happened because, like, you know, I know that, that like people are kind of going, oh, that Delta thing's coming, popping back up. Maybe we were to go back to masks and stuff. And so some of the restrictions are coming back. Nobody cares. I have gone to the store. I don't go to the store a lot, but I have gone to the store, just picked up a few things every now and then, and I go in and I wear my mask and I do it exactly like I did before, where uh, when I leave, I um wash my hands, et cetera, and so forth. I look around, ain't nobody doing it. And I'm sitting there going, I know for a fact that it's only 50% of you is vaccinated. Take the shot. Yep. 
So it's like nobody cares anymore. They just don't. They're just not going to put up with it. I, I, that's honestly what I believe. My school cares. Schools are back. Um, I know they're doing different things, but uh, well, guys, we need to wrap this up. I'm sure that we may have to divide this into two episodes. That is confirmed. But it has been a wonderful time talking about these wonderful movies with you. And for our listeners, hey, I would love to, and I'm sure that my compatriots here would too, we would love to hear your opinions on this movie. How would you rate it? Do you think that it holds up as well as we do? And we give it A pluses and tens. Um, or do you think there's something else that you know is missing or lacking? Give us an email or maybe do this. Tell us how you would rate the movies, which one's your favorite, which one's your second favorite, which one's your third favorite. Um, you can email us at discerninggeeks at gmail.com. You can also interact on our Facebook page, the Discerning Geeks Portal. I'm sure we will have some questions and posts about this episode when it comes out and maybe you can interact there if i can figure out how to do a quiz again facebook keeps kind of changing how we can do that Uh, maybe we'll post some kind of way for you to rank your favorite episode on our facebook or you can also just uh, tweet at us at discerning geeks guys it's been a pleasure is there anything else that i'm missing before we wrap this up Ints are slow. Ints are slow. The guys forgot to spin the wheel of insanity to see what the next special topic would be. Todd spun the wheel offline, and it landed on a book review of the fantasy novel Bring Me the Head of Prince Charming, written by Roger Zelazny and Robert Sheckley. Believe it or not, that was actually Todd's pick, even though he is not much of a reader. But, he's read that particular book before. It may take a while for him to reread it since he's a slow reader, so look for that special book review sometime in 2023. Some times in your life, <laughs> we all have faith. We all have sorrow. At some point, we may have to compare it to the old cartoon version, Lord of the Rings and Return of the King. Uh, I don't think you can. Um, well, no, 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 you can, you can. But it was just one cartoon. Now, granted... If you ask me what the best Hobbit is, it's the old United Artists animated. The animated Hobbit is awesome. I I I can't, I can't help it. I oh, it's the greatest thing ever. Uh, they did end the they so there were two movie cartoons and they were done in two different styles, which makes it really weird to watch. Um, they did the Lord of the Rings and then they did one that was the Return of the King. And I do remember at the end of Return of the King in the cartoon, they ended singing the song Frodo of the Nine Fingers. <laughs> that was kind of a weird little um, song ditty um, that, yeah, was, was in that movie. But I guys, it has been a pleasure. I hope everybody has a wonderful week. For all our listeners out there, hey, I don't care if you wear a mask or not. I care. Just stay healthy. Get a vaccine. Don't get a vaccine. Get it. Be smart. This thing is out there. It is making people sick. You know, wear your mask. Wash your hands. Take the shot. Do what you got to do to to stay safe. It ain't that hard. Y'all act like you got some sense. (laughs) Less is hard. 
<laughs> Thank you for listening. Lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. Five it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. Take it away! Jesus, just left me hanging, I swear. I don't know the lyrics, dude, I'm sorry. You need to learn that song, son. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's another movie you should watch called Lean, Call on, lean on Me. On me. <laughs> <laughs> and that song's, a big, that song's in it, but you should definitely watch it. That'll be my homework. May the force be with you. May the ring be with you, my friend. Oh, always? So you can face temptation and inevitably die. End the recording. One ring to rule them all. Amy? Uh, hi. Yes, Joanna? Oh, wow. You know my name. Um, I hope I'm not bothering you, but I just wanted to thank you for guest voicing on these Lord of the Rings episodes. Oh, it was my pleasure, dear. Quite easy, just two quick intros. Well, you were amazing, especially with the way you spoke Elvish in the intro to part one. Well, Elvish, specifically Sindarin, is like a second language to me. I do the best with the material given to me, but that intro was very badly translated. Well, with this podcast, of course it was. But, you handled it, beautifully, as usual. And, I just love how you get your voice to echo like that. Oh, practice, dear, practice. And, it helps to be British. Yes, of course. I hope with enough practice I can be as great as you someday, robo-voicing full-time on a podcast with, decent microphones, sponsors, and, listeners. Reach for the stars my pet, and you too may shine brightly. Oh. Um. I don't know if this is weird, but would you read just a tiny exchange of dialogue from Return of the King with me? This one right here. Of course, dear. <clears throat> no man can kill me. I am no man. Oh, that's all? That was enough. Did you enjoy it? I feel like, Captain Marvel. Captain who? Is that a military friend of yours? Oh, she's my other role model. Other role model? The other being, well, you. Oh, this is so embarrassing. Don't be embarrassed, my dear. It happens all the time. Would you like to join me for afternoon tea? Yes. I mean, let me check my schedule. Yes. 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 I'd like to join you. <laughs>